0: And welcome back to yet another episode of the College Try. Once again, I am Matt Lassere here with Wyatt. Wyatt, we're both coming off big wins.
1: How are you feeling? Uh, I'm kind of on top of the world right now. Um, Michigan, as we all know, smoked Ohio State. Uh, debatably the biggest win in college football this season. You, if you want to put Tennessee over Alabama or Georgia over Tennessee, you can. But uh, yeah, beating Ohio State at Columbus for the first time since 2000, I'm feeling pretty good. Um and yeah, as you said, Florida State, big one over Florida. Saw you were at the
0: game. How was that? I well, was it was a lot of fun. It was the most, I mean, since I've been here at least, it's the most I've seen the stadium full for like the whole game, besides maybe Notre Dame last year when Mackenzie Milton came in and we came back and all that kind of stuff. But other than that, that was the best atmosphere I've seen at Doak, and it was absolutely insane. Uh, for the people, we probably looked stupid rushing the field. Um, Even I'll admit that we probably had no reason rushing the field being a 10-point favorite, but I have seen five losses to rivals, a head coach fired, and three losing seasons. Everyone just wanted to, it was more of a celebration of finally having a good season, I guess, for us. We haven't had that in a while. Um, And I just get to get into it right before we get to the rankings. We'll go over a few games. Uh, We already touched on the Michigan, Ohio State, and UFFSU. We'll get back to those in a second, but... We'll start off with the primetime game on Saturday, USC, Notre Dame, USC looks scary. And i had been saying that before they were playing on national TV or in primetime slots a few weeks ago. And I think honestly, Caleb Williams locked up the Heisman, especially with Blake Quorum not playing this week and CJ Stroud losing. I think there's no way that Caleb Williams does not win the Heisman now.
1: Yeah. I would even bother looking up the odds on that one. <laughs> um, he kind of has it in the bag. Uh, he even did the Heisman pose on the <laughs> sideline coming off the field. Um, yeah, he pretty much secured that. Uh, as you said, Blake didn't play. He played two two snaps, and then CJ Stroud really struggled. So, um, yeah, I think Caleb really took that away. The Heisman, and rightfully so. Um, he didn't have the best passing game, but I do think he ran for three touchdowns and they beat um, ended up beating Notre Dame 38 27. Uh, higher scoring than I was anticipating. Miller uh, Dame has a pretty solid D, but USC and Caleb Williams kind of teared them up in the run game. And uh, despite being an 11 point game, it really wasn't ever close. Um, but yeah, USC, they're finally in the college football playoff. We'll get into that shortly. Uh, I think it's really rightfully so. Um, they're a scary team and I think they're really playing well at the right time.
0: Yeah. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we said like USC is that sneaky team that everyone's going to start talking about real soon. And they had the schedule left to still prove themselves. Like again, they played UCLA, then Notre Dame, and now they get to avenge their loss against Utah, or at least try to in the PAC 12 championship. And I don't think Notre Dame played that bad. I think they've still shown that they have improved ever since their loss to Marshall and their woes at the beginning of the season. I think they're a good team and their future is bright under uh, Marcus Freeman. And I think it's showing to be a good hire as of now. At beginning of the season, everyone was saying he would probably be out already, but hey, maybe it works. Maybe it'll finally work. And After that, going on around the same time uh, was LSU AM, and m where LSU proves to be probably the most inconsistent team this year. Um, They're on top of the world, had the chance to be the first uh, two-loss team in the college football playoff uh, A&M ruined that in their last game this season because they're not making a bowl. They're not a good team this year. Um, Jimbo, that probably helps Jimbo a little bit makes his seat a little cooler, but I just, I think it was mainly A&M kind of rallying thinking this is my last game here. You, who knows how many people are going to be out in the transfer portal in this next week, which opens up that opens up Monday. Um, what do you think?
1: Yeah. You know, LSU was sitting at five um, ahead of this game uh, they probably would have been in USC's spot right now if they would have secured that win. But yeah, they lose a fifteen to an A and M team who's now four and eight. Um, this team, the A and M, you know, they do have talent on their team. They were preseason number five for a reason, but completely fell apart. Looks like the players kind of lost interest. A coach kind of lost, you know, the grip of his team. But I, yeah, like you said, last game of the season, they have nothing to lose. Teams c- can play scary good, and LSU just wasn't up to it. Um, really, just poor really bad on them they literally as you said they had it in the bag they could have been in the college football playoff and they have you know a big game against georgia this week so maybe you know they can kind of get momentum back for next year or for their new year's six bowl but yeah not a great showing and that brian kelly cannot be too uh happy of what happened that week
0: no not at all i mean jaden daniels he looked okay. He he did get injured at one point and kept playing. I don't know how much that played into it. That was cl- closer to the end of the game, so I'm not going to really blame the loss on that at all. I think it was just all around bad LSU play. It just again, and Kyle Field is a very hard place to play. We see this a lot when good teams are like at least decent teams that are power five when they're not making a bowl game, they kind of treat that final game as the bowl game. We saw, I think it was a few years ago, Pitt beat Miami when they weren't making a bowl and stuff like that. They just call it their bowl game because they have nothing else. And I think it was just a lot of that. That's what in general, that's why I think A&M came to play. Um, after that listed here, I got South Carolina versus Clemson, South Carolina, for the second week in a row, the first time in program history beating a top 10 team in their rival in Clemson, this time in Death Valley. That was the first time uh Clemson lost at home. I believe it was against in Pitt in 2016, was the last time. Yeah. I'm not for sure on the year. I know it was against Pitt, um, but it was like a 40-game win streak or something like that. Uh I'm surprised. DJ was still in that game at the end. I think now I'd not when uh Cade Klubnick or however you last name came in against I think it was Syracuse, I wasn't all impressed by him. I don't they probably would have lost the game either way, in my opinion, no matter who was quarterback. But I'm still surprised that even after this game, they're still relying on DJ when it just seems like it just seems like there's nothing there at this point. Yeah, and
1: kind of in the same boat as LSU, you know, if Clemson would have won this game, then would have won the um ACC championship. They would have a legitimate chance of making this college football playoff. Not after this bad loss to US or to South Carolina. But I it was a 1-point loss, but just unacceptable. At home, they have a 40-game win streak at home, longest in the country, probably will never be beaten in a long time. Um but yeah, I mean, you got to give it to South Carolina. They now are 19th in the country out of nowhere. Um according to the playoffs, they're 8 and 4, I believe. They'll get a decent bowl. Um Rattler even though I don't really like the guy has, you know, two really big win wins under his belt um last week Tennessee and this week against Clemson. So, um I know I predicted Clemson in the in the college football playoff last week. Uh that was a huge miss, but I I don't think anyone really ex- um expected South Carolina to win this. So, yeah, gross game, bad for Clemson. I'm interested to see what they do this week against North Carolina in the ACC Championship. I am very tempted to take Clemson the money just because i think they're pissed off i think they want to you know they can still get a pretty decent bowl game but yeah not great um yeah that was a huge loss and yeah i definitely did not predict that
0: no at all. i actually right before the game i think i took south carolina and honestly it was like plus 14 i yeah. was like it and i want to say i got it live too while they were down maybe by a touchdown i think they had just scored the touchdown so clemson started off up 14 nothing and then then South Carolina, I just made a 14, seven. That's when I got the live line at plus 14. I was looking good there. Uh, at that point, I saw it's a rivalry game. This game's at least going to be close. Clemson's probably going to pull it out, but 14 points is still, is a lot, a lot during a rivalry game. Um, it, I mean, I don't, I don't know what Dabo has next. I think in general, it's a lot of, Clemson has had a down year and for two losses to be a down year is really good. Still uh, people's, tend to lose sight of that. And Dabo will probably say something when they win their bowl game or win the AC right. championship and all that about that. Cause he did last year. Um, I think a lot of it though, has to do with the coordinators going out, right? Like you yeah, had Brent Venables is gone and it's just, it seems like they need maybe those were the people that kind of kept the whole program together, at least in my opinion, or it's starting to seem like that um after that we had the civil war oregon state upsets oregon um to p- keep them out of the pac-12 championship i didn't really watch too much of this game so i'll leave it more to you
1: yeah uh this was i had oregon uh money so or I. I believe so it was I. I don't know what their spread was whatever it was i was feeling pretty good they were they were up i believe 31 to 10 with or 31 something like that with four minutes left in the third end up losing the game 34 28 Oregon state has 31 or 21 unanswered points to win it. Um, so yeah, it would, would have been 31, 17 Oregon State has 21 unanswered points. Uh, Oregon went for the fourth down three times in a row. Didn't get it. So turnover on downs, three possessions in a row. And then Oregon state sneaks it out at the end with a touchdown. Um, really bad for Oregon. I did not, you know, Oregon states now, I believe they are, they're 15th now right ahead of Oregon. Really good squad. I didn't really they kind of came off the map. I didn't really know who they were. I knew they were decent last year, but you know, obviously it's Oregon. You expect Oregon to win that game. And really, really bad loss. So Oregon also, I didn't really expect them to get into the playoff. You know, that I th- thought they had a decent chance. Um, but you know, a couple ba- two bad losses in a row, and now they're just completely out with that loss to um Oregon State. So between Oregon, Clemson, and um between Oregon and Clemson and LSU, three teams that had decent chances of making the college football playoff now are completely shut out because of terrible losses and the time that matters the most. So we we were talking about the importance of of last week's rivalry week. And I can't stress it enough that you know this, you know, you have to win if you're a good team, but also yet we have to remember these teams where their season is, you know, they have a decent season or there's nothing left to lose, they can really blow up a team's. Uh, season. So I think that's something to keep in track or keep in mind for next year, just because. And we all already knew it, but you know when that team has nothing to lose or a big rivalry game, they just play up to that to that um that level. So definitely keep in mind for the next couple of years. Like if you're in that spot trying to get to that college football playoff and you have this, you know, your your arch rival on the line, just definitely tell your players to buckle up and beware because we had three terrible losses that just destroyed seasons.
0: Yeah, and even if Oregon didn't have didn't have a huge chance to college football playoff, but they still had a really good chance at like making a Rose Bowl, which is still a huge right. deal. It it kind of sucks now the playoff that the Rose Bowl feels like it doesn't mean anything. When I mean, I have personally I've been to the Rose Bowl and it means something and it's a lot of fun. I don't care if you're not in the playoff or not, it's, you're still playing in the Rose Bowl. It's still a good bowl game. And they kind of those chances maybe they're not off the table yet. Considering USC could still make the playoff, but I think they have an outside chance. I think Utah would play in it over them and as some other Pac-12 school would probably take that slot after that. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. You're good. I was about to move on. So if you have one more thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, Washington's at 12 too. So they would yeah. definitely get it ahead over Oregon as well.
0: Yeah. So you have Washington and Utah who definitely, I would make the Rose bowl ahead of them. It just, it, it kind of it's just disappointing. They had a really good season and now they just lost their offensive coordinator. And we'll get into that later as well. After that, I got NC State upsetting UNC. I believe that game was on Friday night. So I was tailgating on it or not Friday afternoon. So I wasn't able to watch it. Um, I did it go into
1: overtime. I forget. I, yeah, I the- went to <laughs> went to two OTs yeah. with um NC State squeaking by with a field goal and, and double OT. Um, Yeah, I I personally didn't really watch much of this game. I think it was Friday midday, so kind of an awkward time. Um, But yeah, again, UNC. I think this is two losses in a row for them now. They lost to Georgia Tech last week, NC State this week. We kind of thought this was going to happen because they, and I think the playoff committee did as well, just because they were ranked so high. You know, they were they were fifteenth with one loss at a chance of winning the ACC. You know, three weeks back, and now. You know, now they're just completely out of the rankings and well, I think they're 23rd or whatever. So the playoff committee was right in not giving them the the credit that is they the record deserved. But yeah, bad loss. And then NC State, I believe they're like on their fourth or fifth quarterback. So bad look for UNC. Yeah. Um it will again will be an interesting game this weekend against Clemson, but we can get into that in a little bit.
0: On the on the opposite side though, it's big for NC State to kind of come back. They lost Devin Leary against Florida State or mid kind of early in the year, mid-season, that kind of range. I want to say it was like week five or six. And they obviously lost for the season, and they kind of came back from that. They were looking really bad afterwards, like, oh, they can't do anything without Leary. And now you have seen them beat their rival. They're actually beating teams. So NC State, I don't know if Leary's coming back next year. I'm not exactly sure about that or if he has eligibility or not. But with him back, that's a dangerous team to watch going into next season, at least in my opinion. Because, I mean, yeah. If yeah, I in agree. The
1: uh, especially in a in a in kind of it feels like a season where or a couple years where the acc's kind of been down a bit it's kind of wide open you know you have yep. you know four states up there nc state unc came out of nowhere syracuse you know is has a shot so um yeah it's definitely we should be interesting in the years to come of see what uh nc state can do in that that conference that kind of really doesn't have a powerhouse
0: yeah and uh Last game before we get into our games, going a little more deeper into them. We got, I got Tulane Cincinnati. I did not pay attention to this game at all. I don't even know who won, so you can take that.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Tulane squeaked by 27-24. So now Tulane will be playing in the American with a rematch against UCF um, in that conference championship game. Uh, so, you know, again, we've kind of talked about Tulane a little bit on the podcast, but they were no one last year. I think they had three or four wins now they have two losses i think they're you know 10 and 2 whatever it is and Cincy, as we all know they're the perennial american team they made it to the college football playoff last year um they, they did have a really good coach um and they just had really good recruiting recruiting classes so cincinnati was always a team to beat i thought cincinnati was going to win this one pretty easily tulane squeaked it out at the end and yeah that's going to be that's quite the season for tulane and i'm really interested to see if they can get payback on ucf um in that conference championship game. So I, that's just one I did not ex- expect yep. in a, in, you know, I just thought it was worth talking about the, the non-power five there because American really is that, that sixth conference or that sixth conference of importance. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was a pretty big upset to land and Cincy um, to move forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, here's a, just, this kind of has to do the game. It kind of doesn't. The, so normally the group of five teams, obviously the new contract thing where they get the one spot in the New York six, what do you think of how that has worked out? Because normally you have that one group of five team who has one loss or is undefeated who we're debating about for the playoff. It happens every year. But this year that just hasn't happened at all. And it kind of looks weird because that you'll see a Tulane or UCF getting in with two or three losses when normally that's different for the group of five. So I don't know if it's kind of looking like it's biting the NCAA or the college football playoff in the ass now, or if it just, this is the way it is.
1: You know, I kind of think... I think just overall recruiting wise has become so competitive that even these smaller conferences are really getting big stars. Um, So I think a lot of teams are just adapting in that way. And you're, you're seeing these non power five conferences get more and more competitive. Um, Whereas, you know, back a couple years ago, you know, and, and when we saw Cincy, you know, last year go undefeated, um, they were just better than the rest of the conference. They just had the better players. And now you see like a, the UCFs of the world, the coastal Carolinas of the world, um, And they're just they're just recruiting a high quality of player, but a lot of their other conferences are as well. So I think it's just becoming more competitive overall in those conferences where we're not seeing a a clear blowout, you know, like we did in years past where you get an undefeated UCF or undefeated Cincinnati. Um, So I think it's kind of, you know, it's kind of adding up. Um, I think all the conferences are kind of learning. And now, you know, now with the expansion, whenever that starts, that's going to be really interesting because we are going to get some some competitive teams with high sought after recruits into you know that expanded playoff so that'll be interesting to see just how truly they are able to compete with you know the power five school so i'm definitely looking forward to it and it is kind of a weird year for the non-power five just because there hasn't been that clear um you know that team that we usually see as as the undefeated team so i think it's just a funky year but yeah it's also i think pretty good for football just having it more competitive games in those conferences
0: yeah, I mean, American in general is obviously, like you said, it is clearly. If there was a power six, it would be American. UCF's yeah. a pretty decent team and has been over the past few years. Same with Cincinnati. Tulane hasn't been, but obviously they're coming up. And Houston's always been fairly decent. The sad part is most of those teams I just listed are moving to the Big Twelve next year. Right. So it, it kind of hurts their case, but we'll move off that and we'll move to. I'll start off with Michigan, Ohio State first. Um, I'll give my two cents. I was personally I took Michigan plus eight and a half again for the reason of. That's too many points for a rivalry game, especially this one. I once quorum wasn't really playing too much. I actually placed the bet when I saw Quorum was dressed and warming up. So I was like, I got excited. Um, but uh, it once he like stopped playing, didn't play as much. I think Ohio State took an early lead, if I remember correctly. Um, I was like, well, Ohio State's probably gonna win this one. Oh well. And then was it is it Donovan Edwards? Is that his name? Who's yes. your- uh yeah. Yep. He, he went off and J.J. McCarthy also went off showing he could throw the postgame press conferences of that was absolutely hilarious, especially when the re- guy came behind and was like, oh, hey, I thought you guys said we can't throw. Like, didn't you say that? Um, uh, They really surprised me. And Michigan looks amazing. Uh, I'm hoping maybe this year they won't get blown out in the playoff and they'll actually keep going. And this is probably the best year Michigan has had to win a national championship, at least since I've I've ever seen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um... When you said Donovan, I was going to say Donovan people Jones, but yeah, <laughs> Donovan Edwards. Yeah, the sophomore out of uh, just outside Detroit. Yeah, he had a really good game Um, those two big runs at the end. But that that first half scared me to death. You know, Michigan was hanging in there. I think they had um, one or two big touchdown passes in that first half to keep them just barely breathing. Um, but they had one total rush yard. They had literally had two passes that were keeping them alive. And then Ohio State was just completely dominating the first half. You know, every single play they had was going for 10 to 15 yards a pop. And I was just ready to buckle in. Um, I was, you know, happy to be where we are. You know, we are undefeated playing Ohio State undefeated the first time since 2006. It was a big deal. But just like last year, I was ready, ready to get uh, disappointed. And then kind of Michigan story all year. That second half comes around and I don't even know if it's a halftime talk. I don't know if it's an adjustment. I don't know if the other team gets tired. But throughout the whole year, Michigan has just dominated second halves. Um, I don't know the exact stat, um, but if we're not including last week, because they gave up 14 points, to Illinois, in the second half last week, if we're not including last week, I believe the stat is Michigan's given up nine points in the second half all season. It might be 12. They haven't given up a touchdown besides Illinois. So it's just crazy that the, and they held Ohio State to three points in that second half, which was their first drive of the game. or drive yeah. of the half so it's just crazy the dominance that michigan has inserted on the teams after halftime I, and again i don't know what the secret is but whatever they're doing it's working so it was not the score i thought it was going to be i thought it was going to be much closer i thought michigan had a decent chance if quorum was going to play and then he played two runs or two downs ran the ball twice did a jump cut on his second run and then hobbled off I have no idea what his injury is. I know it's not structural, but, you know, it could be a bone bruise. It could be a strain. Um, so I don't know what's going on. So, but yeah, I, so when I saw him down, I was just ready to, ready to say, you know, we had a good <laughs> season, blah, blah, blah. Maybe there's a chance we get at four, but they completely took control. And yeah, I mean, I, it was I wasn't the best day of my life because I was at the game last year when Michigan beat Ohio State and the field. That was the best day of my life. But this was a pretty good feeling, and now I'm starting to get the, you know, maybe there's a possibility of a national championship, but that might be, you know, looking too far in the future. I want to keep yeah. it a little bit more realistic.
0: But, yeah, I was proud of my boys, and, you know, I thought they played really well. The funny part about the second half thing is that the two teams, at least this year, that have come back the most in the second half has had complete resurgences in the second half of games is Michigan and TCU. And right now they're projected to play each other in the playoffs. Right. So that would be that would be very interesting. That's my last comment on that. Again, good for Michigan. I was happy about it. I hate Ohio State, not for any reason. I just don't like them. I think they're too stuck up and full themselves to get blown out every year in the playoff. But um, other than that, obviously my game's next, UF-FSU. Um, I was surprised that this one was close. Uh, you know, it kind of pissed me off at the beginning of the week when Anthony Richardson said, uh, when we win, I was like, bro, oh, you're literally 10 and a half point underdogs. Like, d- let's calm down a little bit here. You're, s- you have six wins on the season, but he played well. Ricky Parasol had a great game. I don't know what the yardage or the exact stats were, but he was tearing it up in the first half. And so was ETN just absolutely running all over us. Um, and the funny part is I was looking at press conferences after the game and all that kind of stuff. And. Literally, after we gave up a first down on that final drive where we finally got the stop, uh, eventually, someone, it was a Dale Roach, one of our linebackers, was like, All right, or maybe I'm messing up suspicion, position, whatever. Um, All right, give me four more, give me four more. And Jared Verse was like, You know what? I'll get behind that. Let's just go. So it kind of seemed like they were just kind of letting him inch up just to beat him in the end. Uh, it was not a face mask at the end. That PI was bullshit. <laughs> that that's all my two cents, but that Jordan Travis play was Johnny Manziel esque too. my thing with him is that he slipped twice. It looked like he was sliding. He said after the game, he slipped, but my point is why are you running like that? Put your shoulder down, just get in the end zone. It's not even a yard you were looking at, but yeah, it was a fun, fun game. First time I've never even been to an FSU UF matchup and I've been a big FSU fan for the majority of my life. So it's just, it was fun to actually be a part of it for once and we're state champs for the first time since 2016, nine win season for the first time since 2016. So we're looking good and hopefully that affects recruiting a lot as well. And we get a good bowl game.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I didn't watch a whole lot of this game. <laughs> I did take Florida plus 10 and a half just for the reason of the rivalry games. And maybe that's something to keep in mind for the future. You said it a couple of times, but yep. it's just too many points in a game that means so much to both teams. Uh, but yeah, I've, i i watched, you know, your QB quite a bit. He, He's a scary guy. I would not want to face him. You know, he's re, playing a running quarterback, so tough, and he can sling the ball pretty well. So, um, I'm not, not sure how
0: many years does he have left. I is one more if he doesn't leave this okay. year. But the rumor is so, he's about to get an NIL bag to stay. Okay, <laughs> good, good. Because so. yeah,
1: just another year. He and and if you know, plus recruiting, plus the momentum of this season. You know, yep. F, FSU could come back on the onto. On track, you know, and maybe compete for that conference cam- championship that they did back in, you know, to whatever it was. It's probably 2016.
0: 16. It seems like everything's yeah. 2016. Um, I mean, and my thing is, too, if the playoff was expanded to 12 teams this year, we just got put as 13. So, like, right. I was hoping I'm just cancel everything and make it this year. So we at least have a fighting chance if someone loses. But, oh, well, it'll, <laughs> hopefully it'll be next year. All right, so now we're getting into what we're all waiting for, the rankings. Obviously, they just came out probably an hour ago from when we record this. Uh, Number one, there wasn't really any surprises in general, but number one was Georgia, number two, Michigan, three, TCU, Uh, four, USC, five, Ohio State, and six, Alabama, seven, Tennessee. My initial reaction to this was not the top four, because the top four pretty locked in. I was not surprised about that at all. My biggest surprise was Bama being ranked over Tennessee when they have the same record, but Tennessee won the head-to-head. I mean, you saw throughout the rankings, like they put FSU one spot above LSU because same record, FSU won the head-to-head. I think they did the same thing with Oregon, Oregon State. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I think you said that kind of earlier on. It just doesn't make sense to me that they're basically giving Bama that outside chance that if all chaos lets loose, Uh, we'll still let Nick Saban and Alabama in when it should be, in my opinion, Tennessee in that spot.
1: Yes. For as much as the committee says they just base it off of, you know, just record and whatnot, they really don't. They're looking at that Tennessee team. They're seeing that um, Hendon Hooker's out for the year. They're really thinking that they don't really have a chance to be competitive in a competitive game against, you know, one of the top four teams. So I think you know, the committee, as much as they say they're trying to be as equal as, as not, they definitely listen to you know what the what the people want. And obviously, you know, keeping Bama in there, keeping Ohio State on the fringe is gonna provide more money, more entertainment, more stuff for the fans. So I think you know, they're strategically doing that to keep Bam on the on the outskirts, just because Tennessee's not the same team without their Heisman candidate. So that's my two cents in that. Yeah. Just and I, I don't agree with that at all. One other thing I thought was weird in that top 10. Um. So Tennessee was 7, Penn State was 8, Clemson was 9, and K-State was 10. I was surprised that Clemson only fell to 9. I think they fell back one spot. I was definitely thinking they were going to be out of the top 10. And, you know, that's a pretty bad loss to, to South Carolina, even though South Carolina is now ranked 19. You know, they just dis- they were disrespecting Clemson all year, rightfully so, we found out. Yeah. And now, after a loss, they only dropped them one spot. That That was a weird w- one for me that I didn't really think. Um, made too much sense. I thought maybe like uh you know, K at ten or Utah or Washington at eleven or twelve deserved to you know jump up instead of Clemson. So that was a weird one that I that I saw. On the yeah, right. I mean, I think besides that, it looked pretty.
0: Yeah. Pretty what I, I mean, I think in general, you weren't dropping Clemson to more than twelve, right? With FSU, we just right. talked about the head to head and stuff. With FSU at thirteen, you're not dropping Clemson any more than twelve. And I could see where that. I don't know how they got and stay in the top ten. I agree with you there. Kind of. It's just kind of weird. They probably those teams should be ahead of them. They probably should be at 12. Um, the thing that I also found interesting, which kind of opens up the if TCU can lose and still stay in is putting Kansas State at 10. Yeah, that yeah. I think that, in my opinion, locks in those top three teams. Oh, I 100% agree. I, you know, I was
1: trying to be the biggest Horn Frog fan this weekend. I'm still going to be because I think that's Michigan's best chance of, of making them natty. But you know, putting K State up there, and you know, they US or TCU does have the best strength of record um of the top three. Yeah. You know, they're better than Georgia, they're better than Michigan, and now they're playing K State. If they beat them at 10, they're probably still gonna be, or even if they lose, right? It's a top 10 yeah. team. So I completely agree with you. You know, I was kind of thinking for a while that you know TCU won loss and they're they're done. But I think you're right. I think even with the loss, they probably moved to four. Um, you know, if Michigan loses to Purdue, which I don't imagine happening, yeah. you know, so I think, yeah, that top three is solidified. So now it's just up to if USC and OSU or Bama. Um, I think it's just between those three for the last four spot,
0: yeah. Four and then again, spots. I mean, I said it last week. I also thought if TCU lost to that Big 12 championship game, they probably were going to be left out. And I just think that just putting Kansas State where they are just makes it the kind of gives the committee excuse to keep them in, is in my opinion. Yeah, yeah and, I completely agree. Because, I mean, there's no way Kansas State gets up as the Big 12 champion or anything like that happens, or even LSU now. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's it, all – if anything, USC kind of just controls the college football playoff right now. If they lose, that brings Ohio State in. If they win, it's pretty much locked up. Yeah, um, That's my opinion. It's kind of – it's disappointing that we're not getting all this chaos, but this is always what seems to happen. It works itself out. I, was, I wish LSU would have won still, and we were looking at – Oh, well, now LSU, Ohio State, and USC all have a shot. Does big SEC champ get in over USC Pac-12 champ? Who knows? But now we don't get that. Disappointing, but this is why college, this is why we waited out. And then this is why they put up the uh, the rankings weeks in advance, just to get us talking like that. Right. So <laughs> after that, I mean, I don't know. Do you have anything else about the rankings? I mean, it's kind of, it is what it is. There's not really much to say, I don't think. There's not yeah. much to say. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm good on that. Cool. So now to get into previews, we'll start off with the first game. We've just kind of, we talked about USC, USC minus three versus Utah. This is probably the most important game of the weekend. I would say Um, coming on Friday night, like the PAC 12 championship always does in Vegas. I, I like USC minus three. I think it's a revenge game. It's hard, especially in college football. It's hard to beat a team twice in one year and they just look so much better than they did early in the season when they got to Utah and they're not playing them at utah again this time and you know people from utah don't really like vegas that much they don't like the drinking side of it so i i have a feeling usc is going to travel better it's going to be a pretty large usc crowd i like usc minus three no questions yeah i am 100
1: there with you i'm probably even going to ladder you usc up to seven or possibly yeah. ten points i think usc wins this game by two touchdowns minimum um usc is really firing on all cylinders this is their one loss but you know back in i think it was october 43 thir- 42 by one point i think they're pissed it's again it's really hard to beat a team twice i think usc is
0: going to hammer this one home i agree and then after that um we got we already talked about a little bit kansas state versus tcu tcu only a two and a half point favorite with it being only two and a half i want to take tcu there it just seems like too low if it was bigger i would take kansas state but i think tcu could pull pull this off all of a sudden i mean we've kind of been bragging on tcu this whole time we've had this podcast and all of a sudden i'm just i'm kind of done doing it i'm taking tcu minus two i think they can win by by a sorry field goal yeah
1: you know i've been looking at this game for quite a while i haven't had anything on it yet but um It's very interesting. Yeah, we have been dogging on TCU. I've lost quite a bit of money the last couple weeks (laughs) fading TCU, but this is a rematch game. TCU won it back a couple weeks ago, 38-28. I believe they overcame a 10-point deficit in that game. I am going to probably kick myself in the butt, but I am leaning Kansas State just on the money line here. Um, I think they win straight up. Uh, Their rushing attack looks really good. Kansas State just murdered Kansas last week. Um, and I know TCU destroyed Iowa State, but I, again, going just back to the point of beating a team twice, and TCU coming back from behind, it was a it was a win that had a little bit of luck in it. Um, I'm you know I, I hate it because I I think TCU deserves to not be faded, but I'm gonna have to probably lean Kansas State in this
0: one. And I I kind of came on too confident. I could go either way on it, but I just for me, it's TCU had such a good season again. Yeah, lost so much with them. I'm just not. I'm not going there anymore. I'm done with it. I've gotten uh, I've looked bad too many times already doing it. After that, LSU versus Georgia. I don't think there's much question now that Georgia's going to win this game, especially after last week. But the line is 17 and a half, and I would not be surprised if Brian Kelly's got the boys pissed off down there in Baton Rouge this week, and could easily, easily cover that number in my opinion.
1: Yeah, that's again, it's way too much. I know it's not a conference champ or I know it's not a rival game. I mean, it kind of is, but it's, you know, it's still a conference championship game. LSU is still a really good squad. 17 and a half points is, I think, just too much, way too much. I think LSU covers that. I think it's going to be like a 10 point game. I also kind of like the under in this. It's at 51 right now. It'll probably move a little bit, but I can see like a um, like a 2313 type of game where, you know, LSU covers easily. And the and the thing about Georgia we don't really talk about is they are not squeaking by but they're not blowing teams out like we've seen yeah. them before. You know, they against their, you know, Georgia Tech last week and I know that's a rivalry, but Georgia was up by like 6 in the third quarter and then pulls away, you know, they kind of just find a way to pull away um late in games, but I I again, I think 17 and a half is just too much for for Georgia. I could, you know, I, we could be completely wrong. Georgia could just you know, go out and beat them 40 to zero, which is very plausible, but I think LSU plus 17 and a half is a a smart play here.
0: Yeah, I I think it's just, I mean, when was the last time an SEC championship was a blowout? Like, can anyone remember that? Like, it's just hard to, it's always a good game. I mean, yes, LSU kind of not walked into the West championship or like winning the West, but it was just kind of a weird year for the West for them to win. And it, but it's still, they're still a good team. Like, don't discredit them. They're still in that championship game. That's what I like to say. Like, when we get into big games like this, these are two good teams, no matter what, right? They're there for a reason. So, with big spreads like this, you just can't take them at all, in my opinion. Uh, the other one we got is UCF-Tulane rematch. UCF won it earlier in the season, I believe. Yep, UCF oh, yeah. won at 38-31 a couple weeks back. Yep, and uh, now the rematch. I don't know. Does American have a neutral site or is it at Tulane? I believe it's neutral. I'm not sure okay. where, but I do believe it is neutral. Because I remember a few years back they weren't doing the neutral sh- stuff and they weren't. I I um I mean honestly, we'll go back to the it's hard to beat a team twice. I like Tulane in this one. This is UCF's last chance to be able to try to get into that New Year's 6 spot. Ah, uh, they had it. They had it and they controlled their own destiny, so they lost the Navy and blew it. So this is their last chance. They're lucky. They probably had two or three chances at it now. I just think Tulane's taking it. I, I don't see any way Tulane doesn't take it.
1: Yeah, I would also lean towards Tulane in this. I think they're a three-point favorite right yeah. now, but I really do like the under in this game. It's at a low fifty-seven for a UCF team who's very high-powered offense. But again, going back to the fact that both these teams played just a couple weeks ago, they know what to expect. They have another week of planning. They, I think, they already knew. Well, no, they didn't know because Tulane had to be cincy, but they were kind of already planning to play each other again. So I think just the extra defensive planning. Um, I could see this game going to like a 2017 lane win, um, but I don't think it's going to come close to that point total, which is weird when you're talking about UCF just because they're so fast and so um pass coordinate or pass oriented. So I do like the under in that um, of fifty seven. I don't love two lane minus three, but I am leaning um, two lanes going to win that game.
0: All right, then after that, I we have Clemson versus North Carolina. Clemson is a seven half point favorite. This is an interesting game because both teams are obviously on a downfall. UNC much more so than Clemson. Uh, Drake May hasn't really played as good of a defense like this right now, and I love Drake May. I've said it before; he's fallen off the last few weeks, just like the whole team. But I'm a big Drake May fan. I think he's one of the more underrated quarterbacks that no one talks about right now. But Clemson minus seven half again. I'm going to go to the same logic I just used. LSU Dabble's got to get the Boys being pissed off right now. There's no he's saying all the same things he probably normally does. Right? It's like oh everyone's down on us right now, and we're still a good team. We only have two losses. Like that's not a bad season for a college football team. And that's why I'm glad the 12 team playoffs coming because it'll show that that's not a bad season because those teams will still get in. But I mean, I I don't know where to lean on this one right now. I think I'm leaning at Clemson probably more at minus seven instead of seven and a half or like more of probably by a touchdown. So I would probably take it if it lowers but seven and a half is a little too high for me. Uh, I'm I'm still iffy on this one.
1: Yeah. My play for this one, I really hate, but I think Clemson is a pretty obvious and a pretty smart play here, which is why I'm going to take UNC the plus (laughs) seven and a half. Um, It's like, everything's pointing towards Clemson. They they just had a bad loss. They're pissed off. You know, they can still make a really good bowl. UNC is kind of imploding. They, you know, they lost two in a row by multiple touchdowns. Like, This team isn't very good right now, so it doesn't make any sense for me to take UNC, which is why I'm going to take them. And the fact that I get that hook at plus seven and a half, I think it's, um, you know, at least gives me a little leeway for a touchdown game. So I'm going to I obviously don't have money on it yet, but I probably will sprinkle a little
0: UNC um, plus seven and a half. Uh, Again, I think Clemson, if anything, wins by touchdown. I think this will be a closer game than people think it is. But it's just it's it's hard because both teams are on the down slope and it's just hard to judge. It's easy to judge a team when they're going up and up. But when they're when it's two teams that haven't been playing well, it's hard to kind of pick one. And now the last one, I'll let you take this one, Purdue versus Michigan. Michigan right now is 16 and a half favorites. It's a big spread, but I honestly this is the only game I would take the big spread on.
1: Yeah, and we talked about it uh, two weeks ago when we were talking about the Michigan-Illinois game where I said, I love Illinois plus 17 and a half. Um, and they ended up you know losing just by two. But my thing is, I don't bet Michigan games. It's just too much emotion. But I am going to lean Michigan minus 16 and a half in this one. I hate that because I really think Purdue is a is a pesky team. They're known for really upsetting and ruining a team season. They did it to Ohio State two years ago. They did it to Michigan State two two years ago as well uh, no Ohio State three years ago Michigan State two years ago this is what Purdue does they just upset teams coming out of nowhere so Purdue is in a great spot to to do that this this week but I think Michigan if they play like they did last week which I know is asking a lot but I think Michigan could have a very similar outcome in last year's conference championship game when they beat Iowa 43 to 3 so I think Michigan is going to cover the 16 and a half I'm, I could see like
0: a 42 uh, 14 type of game yeah, I can see that, too. Again, I think Michigan, coming off of last week, a high, looking really good, showing they can throw the ball. Now, if you're Purdue, you're, it's harder to defend because now you know J.J. can throw the ball, but right. you still have to defend the run, even if Quorum's not playing. One game that I just wrote down, don't need to really talk about it too much, but I just saw is the points were weird. Coastal Carolina versus Troy for the Sun Belt. Troy is minus 10, which I feel like is way too much against a pretty decent Coastal Carolina team. That's my big pick for this week. It just kind of under the radar is Coastal Carolina plus 10. I don't know if you've looked at that at all. I haven't really. I just saw that line and was like, that just does not make sense.
1: Yeah, let me look at the line again. I had eight and a half earlier today, so maybe am moved quite a bit.
0: Maybe it um, moved from 10. I, I saw it like on
1: opening. Okay, but. okay. So I think it's – I looked at like 2 o'clock today and it was at eight and a half, but again, it could have moved. Coastal just got murdered by James Madison last week, 47 to seven, I believe. Um, and Coastal, I think their quarterback is still out. Um, and Troy's a really good squad. But uh, yeah, that eight and a half or 10, whatever it is, is scary for a team that's a perennial Sunbelt conf- conference champion. So. Part of me in a weird way wants to take that weird line at Troy, yeah. you know, the Troy spread just because Coastal, they got smoked last week. I think they're really struggling at the quarterback. I don't think um, what's his face is playing. Their backup isn't very good. So I, I do kind of lean that Troy spread in that one as much as it's the a really, really
0: ugly play. <laughs> and I, you were right. It is eight and a half. I think I was looking at like an article from probably a few days ago when the line first opened, is my guess. But still, yeah, it's just a wonky line for two 10 and two teams. I would have to look into it more because, again, I know nothing about both either team. The most I know about Troy's, that I drove through their campus or drove like through Troy like a few weeks ago, and that was about it, and stopped at the cookout there, which was good. But still, that's all I know about Troy. I know nothing else. I didn't even realize they were 10 and 2 on the season until looking at this game. But other than that, that's all the big, that's really all the games this week because it's only conference championships. Um, right. This is, I think I know the answer to this question, but I just wrote it down and figured I'd ask which top four team has the best chance to lose this week? my opinion it's probably tcu and i we kind of already explained that i assume you have the same answer
1: yeah i am 100% on board with that i think tcu is in the biggest matchup usc utah again i i think we're both in consensus that usc is going to win that one pretty easily but kansas State's looking really good tcu comes from behind a lot they ha- tcu you know looked great last week though so it's a tough one but by far i think clemson or sorry i think michigan wins pretty easily i think georgia wins pretty easily and again I think that USC team wins pretty easy. So I would agree that TCU might be on the hot seat. But as we said before, even with the loss, I think they still get in. So,
0: yep. All right. And that's all. After that, we just have all the coaching news that's been going on. And again, this is probably the big news cycle time for college football. The portal opens up on Monday. And then all these, after the first domino fell, it felt like every single big school that had a vacancy uh, filled it. So it started off with Matt Rule on saturday morning during college game day and that was probably the quickest interview i've ever seen happen if you were watching college game day like all of a sudden they probably announced he was being hired at like i want to say 9 a.m and then he was on not on set but he was on the phone with them by 9 30 it was ridiculously quick i think that's a home run hire for nebraska i don't think you could get anyone better for that especially the way he plays it kind of fits the big 10 it fits that he's a penn state guy so he's a big big 10 guy just huge hire and I think we're finally going to see Nebraska start to come back in these next few years now.
1: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It that's a this is as best as Nebraska can get. Rule, you know, he's just not an NFL coach and I don't, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. You're either a college coach or an NFL coach. Very few people can be both. And Rule, you know, proved to be really good at um Baylor back in the day, a couple years ago. I think they won the Big 12 in 2018 and 19. I think they went back-to-back um but yeah this is a great hire uh I think he fits into that Nebraska mold kind of that blue collar kind of feel um and I yeah I think the Cornhuskers gonna be really happy with uh with their guy
0: yeah and um two things first the one guy who probably can do NFL in college is your guy Harbaugh He's probably the only one that I can think of but also the last few um the last few coaches that have come back from the NFL at least like big names I mean think about like Nick Saban uh Urban Meyer they all come. Well, Urban Meyer hasn't come back yet. That was the wrong guy. I'm thinking of, I forget who the other one is, but let's just stick with Nick Saban. Um, th- these guys who come back are still really good college. Oh, it was Chip Kelly, Chip yeah. Kelly His yeah, US UCLA is doing well. Like it, all these guys who went to the NFL and came back are still really good college coaches and have, are doing really good. Yes. It might take a few years because Nebraska is an absolute dumpster fire right now. But don't forget what rule walked into at Baylor was after all the, sexual assault stuff was going on and rape and all that. So like he fixed probably a bigger dumpster fire at Baylor than this is at Nebraska. So I think this is great. After that, um, I got Hugh freeze, which just came official yesterday. He got introduced today. Um, at least when we we're recording this, I was kind of, I think it's a good hire and he fits Auburn, but it also seems like a sellout to win on all costs scenario, just because we all know Hugh freeze past. We know about the hookers. We know about all that. Like it just he's a dirty person. But in general, I think if you want to win, he's the only coach that you can probably think about the top of your head that's beaten Nick Saban twice, which is obviously what Auburn needs. Again, I just think it's a sellout to win on all cost scenario.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And if you look what he's doing at Liberty, though, he he does have the resume. He is doing he is still a really good coach. You're just now sacrificing a win for character. And I think a lot of schools are willing to do that, especially those sec schools. I think they're willing to just, as you said, go for a win now scenario. So he's still a really good coach, a brilliant mind. His off the field situation is definitely very hairy, but, um, and you know, that's just kind of Auburn is they need that, that win. Now they need to get back and in relevant or relevant again. So I think that's going to be an interesting, uh, story to see if he can, um, you know, win right away for them. Cause this could also be a scenario one season he could be done. You know, if he doesn't yep. turn around that quick just because of his pass, and he's not, you know, if, if, yeah, if you screw up like that, your, your leash is really short. So I think he has a limited time to turn it around, but I think he's definitely has the ability to do
0: it. Also. It's really funny what I found that I found out while like just watching all the coverage of Auburn, Auburn hiring and all that. I didn't know Lane Kiffin and Hugh freeze had the same agent. So it's oh, really? kind of kind of funny when it comes to, like, negotiating stuff. They probably just, like, didn't even hang up the phone and the guy kept talking. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a good coaching-wise and, like, football-wise, it's a great hire for Auburn. After that, one that really surprised me is Luke Fickles leaving Cincinnati to go to Wisconsin. I honestly didn't think he would ever leave Cincinnati, especially not at this point when they're moving to the Big 12 and he was finally going to already be a Power 5 coach without having to move anywhere. He's built up this program Uh, He's done really well doing with what Ohio state doesn't take in the state of Ohio and developing those guys. Um, I just thought he was going to be Cincinnati through and through. And I was surprised he did. I know Wisconsin, uh, Lance Leopold, the Kansas coach was coming up a lot and he had just signed an extension at Kansas. And in my mind, I saw that and I thought, well, maybe he's leaving and Kansas just wants to get as much money as they can out of this. But obviously that didn't happen. Good hire, good football coach. Uh, I honestly don't know how he's going to do it. At Wisconsin. He has those Midwest ties, obviously being in Cincinnati. So recruiting, I don't think he's far off. It just surprised me that he finally left Cincinnati.
1: Yeah. And you know he had multiple jobs in the past where, you know, he, he was given that Michigan State job. He declined it. Um, I know back in the day when Ryan Day was getting hired to Ohio State, Fickle was kind of in the mix there. Um, I just think it, it's interesting when you have a coach that's never coached a, a you know, a head coach of a power five school coming from a a non power five. So the transition is always going to be hard. Like we saw Scott Frost from UCF go to um, Nebraska and completely fail. It's it's uh, we saw, you know, getting to Michigan. We saw Brady Hope coming from ball state um, going to Michigan as a head coach and completely failed. Um, So it's, it's definitely a step up, but as you said, he does have those Midwest ties. I think he is a brilliant coach. As a Big Ten fan, as a Michigan fan, I hate it because Ohio State's <laughs> always a really good team, and now they finally have a have a, have a decent coach. So it's just another uh, opponent on the schedule. But I, I I think Wisconsin did pretty good on this hire. They kind of got a guy that is what exactly what they're trying to build. So I think that's a decent hire for Wisconsin. I'm just interested to see if he can make that jump from that non power to power five.
0: Yeah. And then, um, again, I think it's a really good hire. Just, I was just surprised he finally left after that. I have Kenny Dillingham going from the OC at Oregon, going to be the head coach at Arizona state. He was actually the OC at Florida state a few years ago. Um, obviously he's when we were bad. So I don't really have anything good, have anything bad to say about him. Just nothing really happened. The one thing I will say is that he was the only person that, uh, Sorry, that kind of said, when everyone was against Jordan Travis, that said, this guy is potentially, he just hasn't unlocked the He's doing it. So I think he's actually a really good developer and a good seeker of talent, which could go obviously miles in recruiting. Um, And I I honestly think this is a great hire for Arizona State. The only thing that worries me, he's only 32. So that's the youngest power five head coach.
1: Yeah. And this is kind of one of those hires. He is an Arizona State um, alumni. So he did go there. So I think, you know, when schools try to do that, um, they sacrifice knowledge and experience for just that alma mater kind of guy which i think works out fine because you know you want to get that coach that has the passion for the program that you know and they get that when they went there but you know he, at oregon had a really good offense it's going to be that west coast of, offense was which is what arizona state needs to be competitive again it is an interesting hire though this is his first head coaching job i believe in his whole entire coaching i looked at his wikipedia page earlier today and his you know, he's never been a head coach even at the high yeah. school level. So it will be interesting to see how he transitions from a coordinator or an assistant coach to that head coach. But he is an Arizona State guy, and that could be the difference
0: of, you know, making your team great. And it's not like they're battling for much in-state right now. Like, University of Arizona actually sucks. They beat them, but maybe they, they might suck even worse than them. Like, it. so recruiting, as long as you have a decent season next year and just show something – at least in state and Arizona is a pretty good recruiting ground. You're probably going to do pretty well. Uh The last comments I have on coaching was Deion Sanders told everyone he got offered the Colorado job. I think that's an awful fit and he should not take it. I mean, think about when you think of Deion Sanders, everything he's done is in the Southeast Southern part of the country. There's just, he has no ties up there. No real way to like start recruiting, no relationships, no anything. It's just a weird fit to me. I just don't, I, I also think he shouldn't take that jump to Power 5 so soon. I've said to you before, I think USF is the place for him. If anything, I think it's the perfect fit. Um, I just don't like him at Colorado. It just doesn't seem like it's a good idea.
1: Yeah, it was weird because from everything I read, it sounded like he was the one that broke the news, which is what you never yeah. really see. Usually it's like some other source or sometimes a college says something. But the fact that he broke the news kind of seems like, a, like a, a stunt to try to get – Um, people's attention so i don't know if he's trying to leverage that into other coaching jobs or whatnot but it was interesting interesting just how that story broke because he's the one to do it but that is very well a Dion thing to do he's a (laughs) very egocentric person so um but yeah i i don't think he's ready for that jump and you know go into a program as bad as colorado that's you could risk your career pretty quickly there if you don't you know if you go there and suck for three seasons, good luck finding another job. So it's definitely iffy. If you do turn the program around, you're obviously a genius, but I don't know if that's a move coming straight out of a a really small college to, to turn around a power five program that's in shambles. So I completely agree. I think USF is a perfect fit or some similar school like that would be a perfect fit for Dion just to get his, you know, test the waters out slowly.
0: Yeah. I mean, now you also got a FAU just opened up. They fired Willie Taggart. Fuck that guy. Just (laughs) by the way. Um, So, I mean, maybe that could open up for him too. And something interesting about that as well is his son was originally committed to FAU before he went to Jackson state. So I honestly just thought of that. I didn't even write down or anything. I just remembered that. So, I mean, that could also play into something because his son having not transferred yet is probably going to follow him wherever he goes and start right away. Um, Other than that, I got nothing else for this week. The only thing I wrote down was the portal does open Monday. So a lot of players are going to jump into that already on Monday. I know the backup Michigan QB, the starter last year already announced he was going in, which was probably expected, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cade and,
1: you know, I can't say enough good about him. He did wonders last year, but. He's just not the guy that's going to bring us to the next level, but yeah, hopefully he finds a good home. And kind of getting onto that, um, the transfer portal, I'm, we will probably start talking transfers and recruits as the season starts winding yeah. down, which I'm very excited to start talking about. Um, but yeah, we're running out of games. You know, we only have I think seven or eight games um, this weekend, and you know, then we yeah. go on a, a, you know, quite a bit of a break until bowl season. So that that will be something we'll slowly start introducing introducing into the show.
0: Yep. And I'm excited because transfer portal gets crazy, right? Right now. I think that guy's go looking at Iowa. I wouldn't go to Iowa personally, but apparently it's a good fit. Uh, But yeah. Uh, Thank you guys. You got any last remarks Are you good? all good? No, go blue,
1: big weekend. Uh, Not many playoff implications, but still anything could happen. So I excited for the conference championship week and uh, excited to keep going. Awesome.
0: See you guys next week. Uh, Let's hope. For more chaos, because there's not enough. Have a good one.